What is up, ladies and gentlemen? We are here with episode 100 of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I, I honestly didn't think I would uh, even have this thing going for 100 episodes, much less, you know, uh, you know, I started this thing uh, just as a place for me to sort of... Uh, Post my opinions. Didn't really necessarily care if people listened, but you know it's cool how this thing is, has has grown a little bit. We got a little bit of an audience who who enjoys listening to it, and we're with the the CWC and the Discord and and that community. Fun to see where this is going, and I can't wait to see what happens. You know, by the time we get to episode two hundred, how this thing has grown. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward. To all that, um, so let's go ahead and get into this episode. It's 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 going to be a what I would say is, is a good one, but I, I'm a little biased, right? But uh, it is sort of what I would call casual community Saturday. It is the, the the episode of the week where I sort of take the suggestions and the questions of the community and turn it into an episode. But but I thought uh. To myself earlier this week, you know, what happens if they don't have any questions? What happens if if maybe that week we we get two questions versus the eight or nine that we typically get? I'm going to have to build a show outside of just their questions. And so what I've decided to do is I'm going to pick four or five topics. Uh, depending on how many questions and topics I get suggested, I'm going to create my own and uh, leave it up to sort of, it's going to be open-ended questions where I'll give my opinion, but I'm going to leave the question open so that uh, the community can respond to it and we can create a conversation out of that. But before we get to those parts of it, let's go back to our bracket here, slapping me brackets. We're still trying to figure out who the casual community is thinks is the the uh the best of the women on this bracket so we're gonna pull this thing back up here it's gonna have our winners uh the matchups that we were voting on from wednesday were bianca belair versus tori wilson and tiffany stratton versus becky lynch so let's pull this up here as you can see bianca belair clean sweep every vote uh tiffany stratton Surprise upset, right? Um, it actually ended in a tie. And so what I did was my vote sort of counted as two in that way. Um, it, there was a tie. And so I um, I, I picked it. Sort of, and I hate to be this way. It's my show. So like That's why I say my vote counts as two in a way is if there's a tie, that's how we're going to, to break the tie is I get to choose. Um, just, just, just that, that, that way. Um, I'm honestly surprised this ended as a tie. I didn't think that many people in the CWC, uh, would have, uh, voted for Tiffany, but I thought I was going to be the only one in this matchup. To be honest, I think Tiffany is better than Becky on every level. I'm going to come out with a hot take here. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say, and we're going to go ahead and, and, and get rid of this bracket for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and say Becky Lynch is a hundred percent overrated. I, there are people who are putting her up. There's the greatest of all time to do it. And that's laughable to me because I don't even think she's the greatest of this era. I don't think she's the greatest in her class of NXT. I, I just don't. I, I don't really hold her um, that high. Um, I think if it wasn't for the busted nose and the man, 
gimmick, no one would care about her. That's just how I feel. I feel like the way people sort of look at Becky Lynch now, where there's very little reaction, I feel that that's how Becky Lynch would have been had it not been for Nia Jax breaking her nose, busting her face open when, and and, and um, that's just that's that's just how it's hard for me to say that Becky Lynch is one of the greatest to ever do it when Charlotte's a wrestler. Um, on the indie scene and, and other promotions, I think Britt's better. I think Tessa Blanchard and what she's done has been better. I think Jordan Grace has done better. Deanna Perrazzo has done better. And again, I'm going from other other uh, promotions. I just, I think it's hard for me to say, oh, Becky Lynch is the best to ever do it. I, I just, I just, I, I, I can't say that. And so I think Tiffany Stratton athletically, um, promo ability, marketability. I think if we're going by those four uh, standards, I think she beats Becky in every one of those standards, without a doubt. So we're going to pull the bracket back up for those on video. That way we can tell you this week's uh, matchups. This week's matchups uh, from s- Saturday till. The Wednesday episode will be Lita versus Sasha Banks and Bailey versus AJ Lee. I think these are going to be two pretty, these are two pretty close matchups. I think we may get some close matchups with these right here. And that's Lita versus Sasha, Bailey versus AJ Lee. All right. So now we will, we'll get into the, the fun part of the conversation. Let's start with my first topic. Um, and we're going to talk about Lacey Evans for a second. Because if you guys do not know, Lacey Evans' contract has expired. Um, she is no longer part of WWE. And it does not appear... She has any interest in getting into wrestling? If you got like, because immediately this is this is this is how the this is how the internet wrestling community works. This is how the IWC works, right? No one cared one iota about Lacey Evans. Um, and then the second she doesn't resign, the internet wrestling community comes out and they go, "Macy Estrella's all elite." No, she's not. Yeah, like. Y'all didn't care about her. Why do you want her in all elite if you didn't care about her? Right? Um, it doesn't appear that she has any interest in wrestling. Um, she's teasing OnlyFans. Um, and it looks like she's opening a uh like a diner or cafe in Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, it looks like that's in the plans. And I think she runs like an online store where she sells like uh, coffee. And, and other stuff like that. Um, but my question is... That, that there's... That, that, or My question is, what is it that, 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 that made people not like Lacey Evans? Because this, this is sort of the main conversation, right? And... and, and like, because I said the IWC didn't care. I cared. I cared about Lacey Evans. I thought Lacey Evans was a star in the making. And what I can't understand is all these people sitting here praising the decision to not renew her. Oh, she sucked. She couldn't cut a promo, this, that, and the third. And I would have to respectfully disagree. I thought her promo work was 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 decent. It wasn't the best, sure. But it was it was decent. Um, the problem with Lacey Evans, and this is the problem with a lot of the roster. But but I don't think people care enough to to think of wrestling in this way. Ninety percent of wrestling is the booking. Five percent of wrestling is the fan reaction, and the other five percent is just can you perform like your performance, right? So if I was a wrestler, five, like 5% of the business is just me doing my job. Can I'm written a story. This is what they want 
you know, the company wants to show on, on the show. Can I physically and, 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 and do the, can I do the performance? That's 5%, right? The other 5% is, is the crowd going to react to how I perform? And if I master that, that's base minimum. If I can perform what they give me and the crowd reacts pretty well. That's only 10% of the, of, of, of the business. The other 90% of the business is what is on the piece of paper. What is the script? What is the story f- that they booked me in? For So I'm going to, you know, I've, I've used Omos in the past. I want to use Lacey Evans now. Name me one time in Lacey Evans' career where she was booked strong. You can't. You can't. They gave her nothing to work with. And I what I hate about the IWC and what I hate about wrestling fans in general is they're they almost sort of look over the, the, the fact that booking matters. The booking does matter, right? If 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 I wrote in a story where you're gonna lose every single match. Why would I why would the fans feel the need to care for you? Right? Like there's a reason no one cheered for Kurt Hawkins because he lost 200 plus matches in a row. So you you have to build the you have to give the crowd something to react to. And so when when the best you get from Lacey Evans is the sassy Southern Belle, which I thought would work if they would have just booked her to win. Like she was losing every match or she was doing squash matches week after week after week, trying to be built up. And then once she got into decent mid card competition, she's losing. You can't do that and expect her to get over. Right. And then you repackage her every six months and do the same thing with her. It's sort of like what they did with Omos where they, they, they do it. It doesn't get over. They pull them off. And like six months later, they put them back the same or they, they don't change anything and they do the same thing. And it, it then they get surprised like, oh, how come this didn't get over for the fifth time in a row, right? Like if you would have had Lacey come out there, be be the heel, a, a natural heel, go out there and just start winning matches. And, and, and like, like prominent matches, like she can't be beating Tegan Knox every week. Like I'm talking like going out there and beating Bailey and beating, like she had that feud with Charlotte right now. It, it, it's ended early because she literally got pregnant, but to make that sort of a story to write her off, they said that she got pregnant by Ric Flair. Like you could come up with anything more creative. You you have to get Ric Flair involved in it. Like like that's what I'm talking about. Where they gave her literally nothing to work with. So why are we why are we over here like saying Lacey was bad when she was given literal shit to work with as a story? Booking is ninety percent of the business. I'm I'm kind of upset she's out of WWE because I thought she had star potential. I, maybe I'm wrong, but can someone tell me why they like why Lacey Evans isn't liked outside of oh well, well her character sucked or right we, tell me a literal reason right Lacey Evans was mildly decent in the ring she wasn't bad she could wrestle and she I thought she had a good gimmick that they just weren't pushing right. And so, and then the the final issue that I want to talk about when it comes to Lacey, and this is the question I asked earlier in the Discord, and I want to I want to sort of give my opinion on it, is with her teasing OnlyFans, does this become a trend with women wrestlers to leave wrestling for OnlyFans or something similar to it? A lot of girls that don't want to have like the sex work stigma are doing uh, like, like what Mandy Rose did. It it wasn't only fans. It was some other fan site or they're doing Patreon or, or something like that. I mean, they're all essentially the same thing. Will, 
Will other women in the wrestling industry who know that they're attractive, right? Do they leave wrestling for OnlyFans, right? I, I, what? The question is like, why would they do that? Like, why would they leave wrestling? They don't have to risk their bodies doing stupid stunts and 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 be taking bumps, and potentially could make more money than wrestling ever like mandy rose made more money in in the the day she dropped her fan site than she made in her wwe contract i i believe this is going to be a trend with these women's wrestlers you're gonna get these mid-card not you know women's wrestlers who maybe aren't getting the push who are gonna sit here and consider Huh. Do I want to do this the rest of my life or do this for the next two to three, four, five years, 20 years, right? Taking bump after bump after bump, barely getting by, barely making money. Maybe, you know, you know, a lot of these women like an NXT or, an, or, or I don't know, AEW's contract situation or the girls on the indies who are, you know, maybe making like 250 a show or if that, right? But they're attractive. And they don't even have to be like ex- explicitly sexual, right? There are guys on the internet who will buy the same stuff they post on on Instagram and will happily pay twenty bucks a month because they think they're getting something special, right? I mean, Mandy Rose had some dude pay twenty six thousand dollars for used gear. That's insane to me. I think this will become a trend. Mandy Rose, maybe Lacey Evans, but. You see, um, the Iconics were on OnlyFans. I don't know if they're still making a lot of money, but they were that they do it. Um, who there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people in the industry who do, you know, special sneaky link content like this, and I think it will be a trend to where they're just going to pull that from wrestling because there's a lot more earning potential to do this right? Maybe do one or two shows a, a month rather than working every weekend. And right. And Lacey now, like, like Lacey can go do that and then do, run her diner on the side and have no problems. Right. I think this will become a trend. And so I want to leave that conversation up to the group, to the discord. Is this going to be a trend? Are, are, are we going to see women leave wrestling for OnlyFans? And this is comes back to what I, I've been saying for at least five years now. Wrestling needs to get more sexual. Guys love that shit. And it doesn't have to be everybody. But I saw the tweet the other day about Lacey Evans. It said that it, it, and I'm going to, I can't quote it because I don't know every word, but it basically said Lacey Evans was built for sex. That was the tweet. Lacey Evans is built for sex. And there's a lot of women in that wrestle that could probably make more money on the hub rather than on WWE. Right. Lana could have made more money doing, doing, you know, sneaky link stuff. Um, then making WWE, like people would have bought into that. There's a lot of girls, T- Tiffany Stratton, right? But like Lacey Evans, uh, how even people like Charlotte, I feel could, there's a, there's a, there's a market for Paige, um, or Soraya, right? There's sky blue. Um, right. There's a market for that where guys just enjoy the sexual, Right, the sky blue went viral because her ass cheeks were showing, and 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 every guy in the crowd uh, jizzed their pants over the fact that her ass was showing, and she went viral. Right, anytime Mandy Rose was on TV, like people made a scene about it. Like like guys, 
like this stuff. Like, why are we not showing it? And some, it doesn't have to be uber X-rated explicit, but it draws people to the product. And I don't understand, like, if that's the goal of business is to get more people to watch, like, at, at what point do we say we got to stop the sort of kid-friendly image? I mean, it's grown men beating the shit out of each other is, is, is what, what you're putting on TV. It's not really kid-friendly to begin with, All right? So we're moving on to our next topic, though, and it's we're going to talk about Edge here. Edge on SmackDown, apparently his contract's done, and he may retire, but he's having his potentially his last match against Sheamus. So I'm going to take all the emotion out of his return because it was an emotional moment, and I'm sure for him it was worth it for him to come back and retire on his terms. But I want to take all the emotion out of that. I want to take an, uh, the emotion out of Edge's comeback. And I want to ask one question for the group. Was this run worth him coming back for? Was what we got from Edge's return at Rumble right before COVID, was his return Rumble 2020 till now, was that return worth it or did it sort of leave a bad taste in your mouth? Now, I'm going to be honest from the jump here. I wasn't a big fan of Edge. I, 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 I'm I, not a big fan of Edge. I don't think he's as good as people say he is in terms of like this nostalgia of like, oh, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys. I, I, I don't think they're, you know, people loved the hardcore stuff and, and them jumping off ladders. I don't necessarily think they cared about the rest of the gimmick. And so I'm, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of him coming back to begin with. Um, but with him coming back, I assumed he was going to get at least one championship run out of it. And he had the match against Roman, but we, we really didn't get much of like a good, it, it hasn't been good since he's come back. Like they've done, and I get it. He's been injured. The Randy feud was okay. But I feel they could have done more. And I felt like if they knew that this was going to be the final run for Edge and that he wanted to retire, I felt when they created the World Heavyweight Championship and they were doing the tournament and he was on the SmackDown side of the tournament, I felt what they should have done was have him win, not AJ, have him win and have Edge versus Seth Rollins. With the story being, this is the title I was forced to give up. I never lost. And I'll be damned if I lose it here. And then have Edge go on and beat Seth Rollins at Clash of Champions and become World Heavyweight Champion. And then you could run Edge as champion from... Clash of Champions till tonight. Uh, this is Friday night when I'm recording till SmackDown. Have him be champion up till then. Have him say, the one dude I haven't faced is Sheamus. Say, Sheamus, I want a non-title match. as my And then announce. Go ahead and openly announce. This is my last run. If I lose this title, I'm retiring. And say, Seamus, I'm going to give you a match, whether it's non-title. And now that I'm thinking of it, you know, he wins the title at Clash of Champions, announces the next Raw. Hey, I'm going to be a fighting champion. And once I lose this title, this is my last run, right? And then we could have gotten, hey, we're in Toronto. This may be the last time I ever fight in Toronto. I want to fight who I want to. I'm going to issue Seamus a challenge for this title. He's the reason I got back into wrestling, yada, yada, yada. And if I lose, I retire in my hometown of Toronto. You have him and Sheamus fight. You have him beat Sheamus. And then Damian Priest cashes in. And it completes a full circle story of the Judgment Day where they finally eliminate Edge and it's Judgment Day sending him home. Perfect. Right, it's Judgment Day that retires Edge. 
perfect end of that story. I felt that that would have been a better story than what we've gotten with Seth Rollins the last three, four months. Because there's a story there. And you could have even continued the feud between Edge and Finn Balor. Because there's a story there. Because what we've gotten with Seth has been literal nothing. Can we say this title run has been good by Seth? Or is this just Triple H giving his guy the title? If you put, put the title on Edge... And then give it a purpose. And then you have Damian Priest cash in in the ultimate heel move to bury the leader of the, the old leader of the Judgment Day. I think that, that that finishes a story is a good story and, and does a lot more for that title than anything Seth Rollins has done at this point. Let me know what y'all think, right? Next thing I want to talk about is WrestleMania tickets are on sale. And they're expensive. So the question that I want to know, and I don't know if I have an answer, but I do want to talk about it, is why does it seem that these major events ticket prices keep going up? Um, when I went to WrestleMania 33, I sat halfway up the stadium on the side of the stage. Like, um, if you see the stage as they're walking down, you look to the right about halfway up. I'm there, right, in, the, in that crowd of people. Uh $250 for those tickets. Really good seats. Those same seats today would probably go for four to $500. Why does it seem like these major event ticket prices, and it's the same for events like the Super Bowl, they price out the ordinary fan, right? They price out the fans that are wanting to go but can't afford it. And in response, you then get these fans that are celebrities or – Right, you, you you almost make it to a place to like for that entire week. We we got there Thursday, Friday. We went to uh, we stayed at a villa in Orlando for five days. We it was a group of five of us. We uh, went to um, Hall of Fame, ac a, a, a general mission ticket to access on Saturday, Manny on Sunday. Raw on Monday, and they were doing SmackDown on Tuesdays, and then Tuesday SmackDown. We went to all five of those things. Maybe each of us paid fifteen hundred max each. Now to go just to Mania for two nights, because unless you because when I looked this morning, I got on at ten twenty, sat in a queue for twenty minutes, got on there individually they were the only way you could get like the cheap cheap tickets like because you could buy the two-day pass but the only things available were like on the floor and they were like ten thousand dollars each so if you want to like so now you have to buy two separate tickets and then go to all the other events like you're talking like life savings here like you're gonna have to blow like 15 20, uh, 2000, you know, 1500, 2000 just for tickets. And then you got to add access and then you got to add this and right. And, and I mean, Philly's not cheap to go to and stay in. Right. So I just, I, I, I don't understand the, the reasoning for why these ticket prices are going up. And is it, is it Ticketmaster or is it WWE or is it both? Ticketmaster is a bitch anyway because, you know, all the fees and all that shit. But I just, I don't know. I don't really have an answer. I just want to know, community, do you have an answer? What do you think about the ticket prices? I, I just, I don't understand why. I understand inflation's a thing too, but like, I don't know. It's just, it makes no sense because you're pricing out your loyal fan base. Because most of your fans don't have money to to drop five hundred dollars on a ticket to WrestleMania, so at and at that point, like, is it worth even going? Because I'm gonna be honest, like, I enjoyed going to Mania. It was a fun experience, but for even what what I paid for two hundred fifty dollars to to barely see anything, you're paying for the experience more than you're paying for the show. And at at, at some point, like. Is it even worth it at, at that point? So 
Um, we'll move on. I, I hate to bring him back up, but we're bringing CM Punk back up. Uh, because I have one question for the universe for for the the community to to, to answer for me. Do we really need CM Punk in wrestling? Is he necessary for the wrestling world to go? I was thinking about this earlier after I called him a bitch and after I, uh, he's a baby back bitch, by the way, he's so soft as fuck. Um, and I, I just, I just keep over here thinking like, is the potential growth for AEW that he br could potentially bring? I'm not seeing it. Collisions ratings aren't that good. And, right. And this really spawns from the fact from, I read a report today that said that CM Punk considers Collision his show and that he has veto power. The fucking balls on this motherfucker. You think this is... Like, if I walked up to my boss and said, hey, you know that store that I work in? Yeah, it's mine now. And I want power to veto who we hire and fire on the staff. I don't like working with so-and-so, so they can't be at work with me today because I don't like working with them. My boss will look me right in the face and say, hi, you're fucking, you're crazy. CM Punk, you're an employee. I don't know what kind of imaginary power you think you have, but you don't have it. And Tony Khan, if you gave him this veto power, you're insane. Why would you let the, why would you let the inmates run the, the prison? I, um, I posted from, you know, clips from, the last episode on TikTok, and someone responded and said, this is why Vince McMahon was a control freak. He made sure the inmates didn't run the asylum. Th th that's exactly right. Tony Khan, become big ball Tony and take control of your locker room. And so the question that is CM Punk necessary? I don't think he is. The seven, eight years we didn't have him were, felt perfectly fine without CM Punk. The last couple months while he was suspended prior to collision starting, AEW seemed just normal and like they were doing okay without CM Punk. I don't think he he's as necessary to the industry as some, some people say he is. He's not drawing that many ratings. It's not making a difference if, if him being in the company. Collision isn't doing the numbers that it should be doing if CM Punk was drawing people to, to watch it. So, question for the community. Is CM Punk necessary? All right. The last thing that I came up with, and it's the title of this episode, is this idea came to me. With Endeavor's merger finally coming through where Vince doesn't own the company anymore. And Triple H is now going to be head of creative, and that's all his job is. Does you know? My thought was: Does Triple H try to convince Endeavor that the best move it can make is let him run a Forbidden Door crossover style event with AEW on a yearly basis? Because here's here's the question I have: If this offer was brought up, if I'm Triple H and I'm talking to Tony Khan, and I'm saying I need you to stop working with New Japan. Forbidden Door is going to be held in December each year and it's going to be WWE versus AEW. And we're going to do a Forbidden Door event where nothing's at stake, no titles or anything are on the line. It's just dream matches for the year. Whether it's a one-time thing or whether it's a year-to-year -year thing, we can work that out later. If I'm Tony Khan and I'm being offered all this, you know, all of this from WWE, depending on the financials, I would stop working with New Japan to work with WWE. I'm I don't I don't see a problem with that. I think that's a logical decision to make. So my question then was is if this event happened and it's just dream matches, we're not fighting for titles. We're not trying to do like a Survivor Series event where it's like the champion versus champions. We're not doing all that shit. We're just doing 
you know, a car, a mega event, because I think this event would sell better, would be more watched more than WrestleMania. It would be the biggest event of that calendar year. And so I sat here and said, what would the card be? What would the dream card be for this crossover event? And we could joke about, oh, this is this this is a WWE C-level event. They're AEW secondary. They're below WWE. We could joke about that. But the best talent in the world is in AEW and in WWE. And this event would sell. I would buy this event, right? This is the ultimate war right here. Because the pro WWE would cheer for their side. The pro AEW would cheer for those side. And those of us in the middle who really don't consider it a war, and just want to watch good wrestling. We'll, we'll get some good matches, and 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 especially if like we plan for it. If WWE and AEW plan for it and make an entire year long storyline out of it, we might get some good stories out of this, right? Um, so I I made the card, and I think I have fourteen matches. It's got to be a big card. There's too many. There's so much talent you can't leave them off. And with this card, you're going to end up having. And they're not all just going to be singles matches, right? You're going to have trios matches and a lot of tag teams. And, you know, so we're going to go through the card that I created. Um, so the first match that I immediately thought of was men and women were going to need to have a Team WWE versus Team AEW style match, right? Like uh, whether it's war games or whether it's like Survivor Series, it, this is almost a requirement for this style crossover event. I feel like, right? Now, I wouldn't put the top talent in this, this match. This is more like mid-card, middle-tier, people you don't, we don't really, we may not see all that much of, right? Um, and the way I looked at this is everyone's healthy, no one's injured, and um, if everyone was healthy, who would like like for so for team? We'll do the women first for team WWE versus team AEW because there's one. This this will explain sort of what I'm talking about. There's only one person I think on here that I'd put in a match that isn't technically on a roster of the team that I put them on. Um, but there's a reason why I put them on here. Right, because of that assumption. So we'll start with the women's team WWE versus team AEW. So team WWE would be Charlotte, Becky, Tiffany Stratton, Roxanne Perez, and Bailey. I think that creates such a dominant team right there. That sort of is it's the best two in NXT. It's Charlotte, which is the best. You get Becky and Bailey, right? the four horsewomen or three of the four horsewomen team AEW is, is Britt Baker. She has to be there. She is the women's division. Jamie Hayter and Anna J Chris Statlander. And this is the one that's not technically on the roster, but if she was healthy, I believe she would be an AEW wrestler. And that is Mercedes Monet or Sasha Banks. And you put her in this match and then you have the four horsewomen all in it right and that th there's your match i th i think this is a fantastic match for the men's team wwe seth rollins edge cody rhodes drew mcintyre and gunther what a team that's a dominant team right there versus team aew made up of brian danielson ricky starks john moxley jungle boy and christian that's a good team and it's it's people who are like the future and and, and uh starks and jungle boy and then you have like the veterans and danielson and christian and then like the centerpiece of the whole promotion you could say is moxley right who could fit with the gunther who are the more sort of hardcore type people right but C cody has to be in that match right it makes sense. Edge and Christian going against each other makes sense. You know, Moxley and Rollins, right? Um, and then like Drew and Gunther is like the land of the giants versus like the small the small boys in AEW with Danielson and Jungle Boy, 
right? And so it's their style of wrestling, right? So then you move on from that. You have the team WWE versus team AEW matches. Where do you go from there? Well, then the next match I thought of was who does MJF, MJF's going to be on the card. Who does he face? Who from WWE would be a good opponent for MJF? The first thing was Miz, right? The comparisons. But then I sat here and I thought, I don't know. I feel, personally, I feel I'm not interested in that match. It's too it's too predictable of a match to happen. So then I thought, okay, Grayson Waller. And I said, no, MJF would eat Grayson Waller on the mic. Um, and I think Waller could would just destroy him in the ring. Waller is such a great in-ring talent. I think it's an underrated talent of his. But then I sat here and I was like, who's like, who could match MJF's promo ability? And if we got a year's worth of promo battle, who would I want to see him promo against? In in the setup to this match, and then it came to me, MJF versus LA Knight. There's your match, right? And then the bloodline. Like the, the the main event of the show would be the bloodline versus the elite. That has to happen. That has to be the match. Roman Solo, Jimmy and Jay versus Kenny, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Hangman Page. That's your main event. That has to be your main event. Right? That that would be the biggest match in wrestling history. Then you move on. CM Punk, he's on the roster, so he and, and he's a draw in a way. So who does CM Punk face? He's gonna be on the card. Who do we have him face? Who from WWE do we have him face? And I'm sitting here and I'm like. I don't want him to face anyone new because I don't really necessarily think that would be beneficial. Let's just do all nostalgia's sake. Let's give him one more match with John Cena. CM Punk versus John Cena. We pull out all the cards, and you put John Cena in a match with CM Punk one last time. Then Judgment Day, and I think this match is super easy to, to, to book. Judgment Day, Dominic, Damien, Finn, and Rio in a mixed tag match with the House of Black. Uh, um, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, Malachi Black, um, and Julia Hart. Right? That, that, this is a simple match to book. Um, buddy, and then I didn't really think about it until just recently, buddy Matthews and Rhea Ripley are engaged now. So that, that, that just makes the match even more simple, like, like simple to book. This is the, that's, that's the easiest match to book. I would say, right. Bianca Belair has got to be on the card. Well, this one's easy as well. Jade Cargill, Bianca versus Jade would be a fantastic match. I then think that we give the fans something that they should that, that they should love. Um, the assumption is that Kyrie Sane is a WWE superstar. So Kyrie Sane, Asuka, and EO Sky versus Akira Shida. I uh, I fucked her name up. I know I did. That's why I just call her Shida. Uh, Shida, Riho, and Emi Sakura. Just the six-woman, three-on-three, strong-style, Japanese-style match for the fans. And, and I think that would be a fantastic match. Um, you then, Jericho's got to be on the card. Who does he face? Well, then I thought, well, who's his protege? Sammy Guevara. So Jericho and Sammy. Okay, well, if we're doing student... And teacher, who's another student and teacher combo we could put on to fight him for that for that dynamic of the match? And then I thought, okay, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar may not be the best match, but I think it'll work. It's it's protege and teacher, right? Then you got to think, well, the Acclaim is a, a popular team. They're probably going to be on something. You got to have these mid-card matches anyway, just some fun. So the Acclaim, who do they fight? And I was like, kind of Street Profits. I said, no, 
No, Street Profits. We're not going to put the Street Profits against the Acclaim. We're going to have a rap battle, and then we're going to have a match, the Acclaimed versus Hit Row. And I know you're sitting here, get the fuck out of here. I get it. But my dude, Top Dollar, ain't no one hotter than Top Dollar. He can rap. Like, he could literally spit. I don't know why WWE doesn't let him spit on the mic on TV, but he could spit. So the acclaimed versus Hit Row. Brock's got to be on the card. Who does Brock face? Well, this one's easy to me. You give him some big, beefy motherfucker. Okay, Wardlow. There you go. Brock versus Wardlow. FTR's got to be on the card. Usos are already taken for a match. Judgment Day's already taken. Who's the next best? Street Profits. There's your Street Profits. FTR versus Street Profits. Then uh, I, I, I was sitting there through the roster. And I was like, I, I want another women's match. I want one more women's match to give the women equal, you know, representation in this match, right? I think the problem with a lot of these cards and the problem with wrestling in general is we try to push that we're doing a women's revolution and then give them two matches on the 13-match card. And not me. I'm giving them like four or five matches. I think this would be the fifth. The Outcast from AEW, Soraya, Ruby Soho, and Tony Storm. And I sat there and I was like, huh, if only WWE had a three-person women's tag team. And I sat there and I said, they did. They don't now. But if this is the biggest event of the year, you pull out the checkbook and say, hey, Mandy Rose, we'll pay you big money to come back for one night only and get Toxic Attraction back together. So the outcasts, Soraya, Ruby Soho, and Tony Storm versus Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rose, JC Jane, Gigi Dolan. And you would have a year to build the relationship back between the three to where JC and Gigi fix the, the the brokenness that happened, get back together, and then maybe invite Rhea back, or excuse me, invite uh, Mandy back, and bam, now you get this three-woman tag again. And, right, and then I was like, well, we need another comedy. We just need that comedy match that you can put in the middle of the show that will just sort of release all the tension of this competition. Because most of those matches are like serious matches. So you need that competition breaker, that that stress, that tension breaker in a comedy match. And so, what uh, what's the best comedy person on AEW? The fans are going to hate me for saying this, but Orange Cassidy, he's a comedy gimmick, and if they booked him like a comedy gimmick, I, I would like him more. But the fans take him like he's fucking serious, and so that's why I don't cheer for Orange Cassidy. But Orange Cassidy, now who does he fight? Who's the king of comedy in WWE? R-Truth. Orange Cassidy versus R-Truth. So with that, I think that's a complete card right there. I think it's 14 matches. Would be a fun night of just no stake wrestling. right? Because the problem with a lot of these events, it, like, and the reason Vince would never do it, is Vince thought in terms of competition to where if I'm going to have a my guys have to win or I'm not going to do it, right? Let's just have a, a night for the fans of wrestling to come together and enjoy wrestling and maybe cheer for their side and, and create positive relationships in the industry rather than trying to compete against each other. Because could you imagine if WWE and AEW had an open relationship where, where they worked together and then they worked with New Japan, and then they worked with Impact, and then they worked with Triple A, then they worked with the indie, indie promotions, and they all just sort of have one giant, big, happy relationship. How much better the business could potentially be rather than being monopolistic and trying to conquer the, the whole the whole uh, uh, industry? I don't know. I think that could, would create for better uh, fan uh, enjoyment of the product, right? So there's that. I booked a crossover event for WWE and AEW. Let me know what you guys think of that card. And uh, if you want, you can book your own. I'd like to see what you guys come up with. All right. So this next segment was a suggestion from DJ Wavy D in the Discord. And he basically said, like, do like 
guess that storyline. So this is going to become a weekly segment every Saturday. I'm going to I'm going to go to chat GTP cuz I'm very bad at vaguely describing things. And I'm going to go in there and basically just say vaguely describe so and so storyline. It's going to produce a description. I'm going to copy and paste it into my notes and I'm going to read that description to you guys. In the Discord, there's a section called guess that storyline. You can guess the storyline in that section. And the first one who gets it, I mean, for now, I, I can't afford prizes. So it's just going to be a shout out for who got it. And it's just to see. And and so the rules are it's going to be from AEW, WWE, WCW, like maybe early ECW um, from 1990 upward to 2001, because that's the limits of chat GTP's knowledge. Um. I don't want to do the eighties. I don't want to do all of that. Cause most people, you know, aren't most people in the discord didn't watch that stuff. And I'm going to focus mostly on the era that a lot of us would have either grown up in wrestling or maybe have watched. Right. Um, and so, but I don't want to make it too easy. Right. I don't want to sit here and be like, Oh, I'm going to just hand them to you. Right. So they're going to be vague descriptions. Um, and please understand that a AI is making this, so it may not make a lot of sense and it may be super, super vague, right? So we're going to start with today's episode and today's storyline that you're going to guess is this, this storyline is a legendary chapter in professional wrestling history. It involves the clash between two iconic wrestling personalities each representing different eras of the sport. This storyline builds on their contrasting styles, fan allegiances, and larger-than-life personas, culminating in a highly anticipated showdown that captures the essence of wrestling's evolution over the years. The narrative navigates themes of legacy, generational shifts, and the impact of these larger-than-life figures on the sport's popularity. So there's your description. So go ahead. If you're not in the Discord, go ahead and join it. If you are in the Discord, go to the page that says Guess That Storyline. Um, once the episode posts on audio version for people to see, I will post... A physical description, the physical description, I will post it in the group. And then uh, the first one to get it uh, will get shouted out. So uh, good luck. And uh, I, I like this idea. We're going to keep doing it until I don't like it no more. And then we're going to stop doing it. <laughs> All right. So we got um, we have three questions here to end this show from uh, username B Master. Um, so the first one he asks is, why isn't King and Queen of the Ring not relevant anymore? Like, why isn't it relevant? Um, and so I have a simple answer to this. Um, and it's the, because in recent history, it just hasn't been relevant. Like The winners got nothing in, in return for winning the tournament. It was just a way to sneak in a, a nostalgic event. Um, and so I think the way we fix it and to make it relevant is to um, give some sort of reward. So for me, what I thought of when I was thinking of this question was, what if the winner of King of the Ring, we make King of the Ring like a mid-card tournament, and the winner gets a mid-card titled uh, opportunity So of their brand's choice. And so make it a annual don't make it like an annual event but in terms of its own pay-per-view but make it like an annual tournament maybe for a match at survivor series right so you you take a match at survivor series where you build a tournament through the month of november the finals culminates in uh at survivor series at the end of the month of november and you make it a nxt raw and smackdown tournament right so on their individual shows they'll run for three weeks like the tournament and then you have a raw representative a smackdown representative an nxt representative 
in the finals match. Um, and the winner of that match gets a title opportunity for their brand's mid-card title, right? So if, you, if you're if you in NXT, you get a North American Championship match. If you're on SmackDown, you get a USA title, a US title, and a uh, the Raw winner, if the guy from Raw wins, he gets an Intercontinental Championship title match. And just and, and and if you push and build someone to do this, that's like, and rather than just giving them the gimmick of King Corbin or Queen Selena, and actually build a push around it, I think it would become relevant again. And I think it would be a good way to build the mid card, um, because I agree with Vince Russo's philosophy, which is if you have a weak mid card, it doesn't matter how strong your your main event picture is. Your 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 mid card is your show. It is literally what seventy five percent of your show is mid card. So you have to build it strong. And I feel, I feel WWE fails to do that. And so do that through King of the Ring if you want to, and build a strong mid card to 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 run this tournament through and and to give it meaning. All right. His next question is, can you tell me why ECWWE failed? How would you have, or what would you have done to get it over? Now, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't watch the original ECW, and I wasn't watching wrestling when WWE tried to bring it back. So I don't have an answer to this question. I can't tell you from a logistical X's and O's booking standpoint what went wrong. Here's what I can tell you, though, about nostalgia. When you're when you're going to bring back ECW, if you're not going to give the fans of ECW the original ECW, it's going to fail. It is doomed and destined to fail. In the same way, when Disney bought Star Wars and they said, we're building an entire new trilogy, right? The original OG Star Wars fans, they're the ones who complain. I personally think the, the new trilogy is just as good as the original trilogy, just personally. But I also don't have the nostalgia of growing up in the 80s or the 90s to, to sort of live behind of saying, oh, I went to the theaters. I remember when the first trilogy came out and the prequels came out in the 90s. Like, And so I don't have that nostalgia. And so to me, uh, episode seven, eight, and nine were really, were really good movies. And so I enjoyed them and there's nothing for me to complain about. Um. Whereas, you know, if you're someone who grew up in the 80s, you may say, oh, no, these new Disney trilogies, they suck. Right. And I know a lot of people who feel that about about Star Wars being at Disney. Right. So in the same way, when you say we're bringing back ECW, the original OG ECW fans want Sabu and Sandman and uh, I don't even know who was on that original roster because, I, like I said, I didn't watch it. But they want the extreme extreme. They want like blood and, and, and all that. Like it would be like if I bought Combat Zone Wrestling. If you don't know what CZW is, it's where Moxley got his start. And they do deathmatch wrestling, right? And if I were to buy that brand and then have it disappear for a while, but like I buy the brand and then I reappear. And I, oh, I'm bringing back Z, CZW, right? But I don't bring back the deathmatch style wrestling. No one's going to care about it because the original fans of ZCW, of Combat Zone Wrestling, they want the light tubes and the glass shatter and the chairs to the face and the tack matches and 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 the the being lit on fire and, and jumping from high distances through tables that probably shouldn't be jumped through. Right, they want they want the crazy shit, and if I don't give them that, then it's going to fail without a doubt. And so I think that that the ultimate uh, destiny of ECWWE was to fail because people were going to live in the nostalgia of the OG ECW um, because WWE was never going to give them what the original ECW was. They just weren't. I mean, for God's sakes, they had a live crucifixion, basically. Like, and I don't know if you guys know that story. Kurt Angle was backstage with ECW, had a contract ready, was going to sign it. 
That crucifixion happened on ECW. He walked backstage, went to Paul Heyman, and said, I don't, I'm not signing. Right? That, that literally took Kurt Angle away from ECW. Right? So maybe we think about some of the stupid shit that we do because who knows <laughs> who knows what happens if, if he didn't do that. What if Kurt Angle did show up at ECW? Right? But WWE was never going to do the that level of extreme. And so I don't think fans were going to buy into it one way or the other. So what would I do to make it better? The only way you would have made it survive is to become the original ECW and to live up to that nostalgia, which again, I don't think WWE would have ever done. So I just think it was a waste of time for them to bring it back in the first place. That's just my opinion. But again, I didn't watch it, so I can't like really answer the question. Um, and then his last question that he asked is, um, Seth Rollins had the best cash in in Money in the Bank history. If a female superstar won Money in the Bank, where and against who sh would be an equal and better than cash in to Seth Rollins? Um, so the first thing I want to discuss about this question, first of all, it's a great question. I don't believe that there are um, bad questions. If you have a question, I will take it. Because that means you're thinking about what, right? Right. Because give a little backstory. Like my goal and my dream job in college was to be a history teacher. Uh, I dropped out of college because college wasn't for me. <laughs> but I wanted to be a teacher. And my philosophy was, especially for the subject, I wanted to teach history. And God, thank you that I'm not a teacher right now. Cause I don't know if I can handle some of these, some of these kids and, and the way that the next generation's growing up to become, but, uh, um, and I also talk too much. So, so I would never get anything done. And, 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 uh, and, but my philosophy has always been, if you're, especially when you're studying a subject like history or something like that is if you're thinking and asking questions, that means you're, you're trying to learn. Or you're, or you're interested, you're curious. And so to ask this question, good question. Who and where would be an equal cash-in to Seth Rollins? Well, the first thing I want to sort of talk about, though, is I'm going to have to disagree with your assertion that Seth Rollins was the best cash-in in history. I think that's the, the popular take. I think that's the most agreed-upon take. I think Dolph Ziggler's cash-in was, was better, though. For one reason and one reason only, the pop. I, Seth Rollins was going to get a loud pop because it was WrestleMania, right? But Dolph Ziggler was the loudest pop I have ever heard from an event ever. I think Dolph Ziggler's cash-in was the best cash-in of all time. Seth Rollins is a close second, and I could understand why you would say it was the best, right? And so I want to disagree with that assertion. However, to answer your question, I have to agree with your assertion. So I'm going to think in that mindset. Okay, Seth Rollins is the best cash-in ever in this question. So who and where would be a better cash-in? That's a great question. I think it ultimately depends on who the champions are. Um, but I don't think... I mean, to be equal to Seth Rollins, I think the only place that would equal better would have to be, it would have to happen at WrestleMania, just like Seth Rollins did, because it's the biggest event of the year. Um, and I think the way I would be make it better and make it mean more is I would have Charlotte um, be a 16-time champion and lose the title, disappear win money in the bank, hold the briefcase till the next WrestleMania, and then cash in at WrestleMania to become a 17-time champion to be, to be the first person in wrestling history to beat her dad's most title reigns in WWE history. That, I think that's the only way you can beat Seth Rollins' cash in. I don't know whom it would be against. It would be great if that WrestleMania took place in Charlotte so I could go without having to pay for travel. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I can think of to this. To, to I want to answer the question. That's the only thing I can think of. Is Charlotte Flair cashing in? Maybe, maybe Rhea, maybe, maybe someone like Bianca, maybe someone like Bailey. Um, it would have to be one of those um, people that she cashes in on to become a seventeen-time world women's champion to be the, you know, cause everyone sits here and talks about who's going to beat Ric Flair's record. Well, what if it's Charlotte Flair? Right. And she does it by cashing in money in the bank. That's the only way I can think that would be better than Seth Rollins. Just to be completely honest, because there's the, the, it, it'll be harder to be better than Seth Rollins from the get go because it's the women's money in the bank. And most people, Let's just be honest. Women's wrestling is like second tier when it to, to the men's wrestling. So people don't tend to think of it on the same level. I think it is on the same level. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. But I just, yeah, that's the only thing I could come up with. It has to be Charlotte. And, and, and to make it make sense would be for her to cash in to be the most reigns ever from any person to ever step foot in a WWE ring. Um, that's the only thing I think could beat Seth Rollins. Um, and that might be the best cash in of all time. Right. Um, and I, I would even do it in a similar fashion to Seth Rollins to where the match is still going on. And Charlotte just comes out and, and attacks, um, somebody right. And, and, and pins and, and makes it a triple threat and then wins the match. That's right. I think that would be, uh, a good way to, to, to accomplish that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I want to thank you guys for, uh, for watching and listening. If you're listening on audio, please go to the, the YouTube page. We too deep four one three YouTube page, like, and subscribe there, share the link to it um and join the discord if you want to join in on this discourse and uh can't wait uh, for the next episode but until then i will uh this is we too deep with the slapping meat wrestling podcast again thank you all for watching and listening i will see you on wednesday's episode brother i'm Cause lately I've been seeing